Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. It's a really good idea to check in on your friends every so often. And I mean, at a time like this, more than ever, right? How long has it been since you've spent physical time with your friends? How long has it been since you've checked in, at least checked in on your friends? You need to do that. So, if anybody listening is friends with Dennis Schroeder, you might want to check on dude. Like, stop whatever you're doing right now. Drop this dude a text. Maybe an email. Maybe a phone call. Maybe hit him up on WhatsApp. Maybe Instagram. Maybe snap him. Do something. Anything. Anything to check this guy and pick this dude up. Because my man has had himself a week. And a summer. And a year. Let's go back to March. In the springtime. Brian Winhorst reported that the Lakers had offered Dennis a four-year extension worth $84 million. My man turned it down. He said no. That is such a baller move. What an incredible move that is. You get offered 21 mil per year and a chance to stay with the Lakers and compete for a championship every single year. And you say, nope, nope, it's good, but I know I can do better. I know I am better. I'm better than that. I know it. And so does the rest of the league. So no, I don't want your 84 mil. I don't want your 21 mil a year because I know in reality, I'm a 25 mil a year player or maybe even better than that. So I will see all you suckers in free agency. And I got to tell you something, man. I could not respect that any more than I do. I love it. I love a guy betting on himself. I always say you have to bet on yourself. If you won't or you don't, who will? Man, have confidence in yourself. Reap the rewards. And my man, Dennis, he is reaping those rewards. Check this. He said no to the Lakers and 84 mil, but he signed a deal with the Boston Celtics. One year... $59 million. Hell yes. That's how you do it. That's how you do business. What an incredible move that was. That is amazing business. You get offered four years and 84 mil, but you turn that down to get one year and 59 mil. Props, my guy. Man, that is a baller, baller move. Wait, what? I'm sorry. Excuse me. My bad. bad. There is a decimal in there. It's one year and it's $5.9 million. Yeah, maybe you go ahead and cue the Price is Right fail horn. It's not 59 mil. I missed the decimal. It's 5.9 mil. Holy crap. You want to talk about a kick in the package. That's not a gut punch. That's a Mack truck driving right through your junk. There isn't a fail horn big enough for that move. Had 84 mil on the table, turned it down, and parlayed it into 5.9 mil. We're talking about a nearly $80 million haircut. All right, so what you don't want to do, you never want to talk about another man's money, ever. But my man just turned 84 mil into less than 6 mil, so I think I'm just going to go right ahead and talk about another man's money. 
It's like going to buy a Ferrari and driving away in a Yugo, but worse. Way worse. This guy went from an enormous contract to a mid-level exception contract. You want to talk about misreading the market? You want to talk about the market changing under your feet in the absolute worst way? Pets.com stock. Cannot believe how quickly and how terribly that went and how fast it all changed. And by the way, we're not talking about a situation where declining that reported extension sounded smart back in March. And looks dumb now. That's not what that was. That was not, or that is not, some Monday morning quarterbacking or anything like that. There were lots of reasons to think that that was a horrific move at that time. Plenty of reasons to ask this dude, like, I don't know how to put this, but you do know that you're Dennis Schroeder, right? And that the LA Lakers just offered you more than 80 mil, right? Four years, 84 mil, play with LeBron, run with AD, do it for the next few years, get a damn good look at a ring every single year. It's right there, man. There's the paper. There's the pen. Pick it up. Put your your name on the line that is dotted. But you don't do that. To quote a certain play-by-play announcer, why would you ponder passing? Why do you even ponder passing? But Dennis did. And things... Unfortunately, went terribly. He missed a week and a half late in the year for COVID reasons. He shot 40% from the field, 30% from three in the postseason, and then got ripped to shreds on Twitter by none other than Irv. Magic Johnson himself. I repeat, my man got shredded on Twitter by Magic Do you know how bad things have to be if Magic is tearing you up on Twitter? He doesn't criticize anyone ever on Twitter. He literally quit on the Lakers just so he could hype every single player who is currently on an NBA roster. That's why he quit. Everybody except Schroeder, who he crushed. But through it all, there seemed to be this inkling that Dennis wanted to re-sign with the Lakers. In the end of the year meeting with the media, he dropped this line, and I quote, you got to go through the bull bleep to get to the good bleep. End quote. My man, D, if this is the good bleep, you need some new bleep because you just went through the bull bleep and then jumped into even more bull bleep. Losing nearly 80 mil is not the good bleep. It is the worst bleep. It's taking a bath in bull bleep. A self-inflicted bath in bull crap. And pretty much as soon as the Lakers could do it, they moved on from him and they bring in Russell Westbrook. How fired up are the Lakers that Dennis did turn down that extension, freeing them up to make a big deal to get Russ. And then once Russ was a Laker, the Dennis Schroeder market cratered, absolutely bottomed out. So I don't know if that's on Dennis or his agent or both. I just know it's really ugly. Like, I don't want to second guess somebody, so I won't. But if you're going to turn down 84 mil to get more money than that, you sure as hell better do more than shoot 30% from the three in the playoffs. You better step up when your team needs you and prove that you are worth more than what they offered you. What I'm saying is, you can't turn down 84 mil and then go 0 for 9 from the field in game five of the playoffs. 
You have a shooting performance like that. And you know what that's going to get you? Six mil. Six mil. So he bets on himself. And like I always say, I love that. I love somebody who's got that level of confidence in themselves. But if you're going to bet on yourself and push every last chip, all 80 plus million of them to the center of the table, you best not crap out. And that's exactly what happened here. However, my man did jump on Instagram and try to convince himself and the rest of us that this is actually a good thing and that he's actually pumped. Quote, I'm proud to announce for the 2021-22 season, I'll be playing for the Boston Celtics. This is one of the best franchises in NBA history, and it will be an honor to put on the green and white and do what I love. I'm going out there every night and leaving it all on the floor for the city. Who's ready? End of quote. I don't really know who's ready for that, D, but I'll tell you who's not. That Brinks truck driver that you thought that you'd be meeting in free agency. That dude's taking the day off. That dude is taking the whole year off. And now you're making less than six mil. And and just as a reminder, Chris Paul reportedly agreed to a four-year deal worth up to 120 mil. Kyle Lowry is reportedly looking at 30 mil per year for the next three years in Miami. Mike Conley reportedly is going to get nearly 25 per year in Utah. You were looking at 21 per, but now you're getting less than six. And then finally, it gets worse. Right when you think it can't get worse, think of the other money out there. And for some guys, a lot of guys, just not guys named you. Jarrett Allen signed for 100 mil. Duncan Robinson got a fat deal. Norman Powell did too. I could keep going, but it's only going to get worse for Dennis. It's just not something you can easily shake off. Like, let me give you an example. You ever lose 100 bucks? You ever lose your wallet and all the money you had inside of it, and it's 100 bucks? Or maybe it's 50 bucks. Maybe it's only 30 bucks. It's awful, right? It's a punch in the gut. It sticks to you for a few days. You think about how you lost it. You think about what you could have bought with it. You kick yourself in your own nuts because it haunts you. Yeah, well, my man didn't lose 30 bucks. He lost 80 mil in the laundry. I think that's going to haunt him. Like, we've all made bad investments. Believe me, myself included. I can run them all down. We've all made bad bets, myself included. I can run them all down. But I don't know too many people who have lost an $80 million bet. You know what that's like? It's sort of like the loss of a loved one. You don't really ever get over it. You just hope to get past it. And that's what you do when you lose a loved one. Or you lose $80 million. Good luck with that, dude. You're going to need it. I mean, yes. We should all have these problems. Where the worst case scenario is, you have a job that pays you almost $6 bucks for a year. But man... Like, I left my sunglasses on top of my car once and drove off. I wasn't right for like a week. I'm thinking Dennis has got to feel like that times, I don't know, a million? Or maybe times 80 million. Like I said, there's a general rule of thumb. Do not talk about another man's money. Unless another man set $80 million on fire. And then you can. 1-800-636-8686. My man, I mean, that that hurt you more than it hurt me, but it still hurts me. That's not even my money. 
On top of that, some other topics today. Oh, what do you know? Aaron Rodgers is not going to play in the preseason. Oh, and what do you know? People want to read into that. People want to talk about how terrible that is. I'm here to tell you it's not. He never really plays in the preseason, but I'll tell you who will, Jordan Love. And there's a lot of pressure on him right now. Speaking of quarterbacks, this guy no longer has the pressure he used to have because now he's a backup and not the savior. Mitch Trubisky. You know, Mitchell ended up in a really good spot. Not a great spot for him because he's not starting, but a great spot for anybody because he's in Buffalo, which is an amazing organization, great team, and they've got a look at a Super Bowl. Except Mitch is saying weird things like, you know, it's nice to be wanted. Dude, it's nice to be wanted? Do you know how many people put their entire careers on the line for wanting you? I'll have that story for you, too. This just in. Love the NFL. Cannot wait for the NFL to come back in full swing. However, apparently they want to crack down on taunting. Such a bad idea. Such a bad idea. And I'll tell you why that is a little bit later on. 1-800-636-8686. Phone lines are open. Let's see. First guy through. Ken in SA. Rome. Tell Dennis Schroeder not to buy the yacht. Sincerely, Latrosse Brewell. Well done, Ken. Hey, Ken, by the way, you have a yacht, don't you, bro? You're always posting pics of your cars. You got a yacht, right? Yeah, even Spree didn't turn down that kind of money. I don't think anybody has. Dan Lesks wants to weigh in. Dennis is now going to trade his $5.9 million salary for what's behind the curtain and end up with a donkey wearing a sombrero. You know what, Den Lesks? It's about time. That's pretty good. You ever watch that show when you were a kid? Let's make a deal. Monty Hall is up there. Rit, I know you did, dude. I know you're the only one old enough to remember that show. These guys were up there. Hey, what a funky show that was. Let's go to a game show dressed up in costumes. Why they were in costumes, I really do not know. And let's give him a choice. Door number one, door number two, door number three. You know what, Monty? I'm going to take door number three. Really? Because you got yourself a donkey and a sombrero. Had you got with door number one? What do you know? A brand new Rolls Royce. At the voice of Roddy tweets, Hey, Rome, Dennis Schroeder turning down 84 mil from the Lakers was the dumbest idea ever. Signed Juan Gonzalez turning down 140 mil from the Tigers. There you go. That one's coming back. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So, when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. All right, welcome back. Moving through our number one of 
first interview is with a reporter for Fox Sports, a national college football insider for The Athletic, the man behind the annual Freaks List for The Athletic, a New York Times bestselling author. His latest book is Flip the Script with Ed Orgeron. Of course, I'm talking about Bruce Feldman. And Bruce, good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. Good to be on with you. Always good to have you, Bruce. Always look forward to it. Listen, we're only a few weeks away from the start of the college football season. There's a ton to talk about, but I want to first get your thoughts, Bruce, on the passing of Bobby Bowden. In my personal experience with him, he was always larger than life. What are your memories of Bobby Bowden? You know, Jim, as somebody who at the time when he was on that great run, I was relatively new to the national college football beat, and the thing that really blew me away about Bobby Bowden was that he was just so like, I would call it like he was shockingly accessible and approachable. I mean, to be this kind of Mount Rushmore figure in college football coaching. And yet, you know, you could, he was so accessible and so down to earth and so easy to to connect with. That was really the thing that I took away from uh, you know, my biggest memory with him. Obviously, he had a ridiculously great run of top five teams and, and put that program on the map. But just, you know, I remember talking to some of his players who played for him, and they just talked about how Bobby Bowden understood and connected with people. And there's been some really terrific coaches who I don't think you could say necessarily they had the same kind of um, charm or personality. It just worked for him. It was authentic. And I mean, he's a true legend, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm sad for so many of the people in his family and the people he really, you know, really changed their lives. Cause I think, you know, I know this is a big loss, but what a legacy he leaves behind. You know, you said that perfectly, Bruce, and I I couldn't even add any more to it except to say that's exactly how I remember him, too. It was amazing because at that time, Bruce, he was like the biggest thing in college football or the biggest thing in sports, but he was always accessible, always did the interviews, always gregarious. I mean, a really, really different guy and a great, great coach. So the coach's poll came out yesterday. It is no surprise to see Alabama and Clemson on top. In fact, a lot of the names are near the top that we know. But then you see programs like Iowa State at number eight. You see Cincinnati at number 10. What do you make of the poll overall and those two teams in particular? You know, I think it's a credit to what Matt Campbell uh, at Iowa State last year, they finished ninth in the poll. That's the highest ISU's ever finished. And they have everybody back. Uh, Brees Hall's an All-American receiver. Charlie Kohler's an All-American tight end. Experienced the line quarterback who's played in a lot of big games. Good players on defense. And, and Matt Campbell's one of the five or six best coaches in college football right now. It is a huge deal that... Um, that he, what he has done there. So I think that's a credit to him and what he's built. Luke Fickle, similar deal at Cincinnati. I mean, last year, they had a terrific run. They have a lot of athletes who are still there. Desmond Ritter, he might be a first-round quarterback there. He's a terrific athlete, really good leader. They got a lot of speed. And what's interesting here, Jim, that I would circle with them is, yes, they are, out of, they are not a Power 5 program, but they last year they did not have because of the you know no fault of their own they only they couldn't schedule non conference games against bigger programs. This year they have a game at Indiana and then after a bye week they have a game against Notre Dame. If they win both of those games and they have a chance, I mean they are definitely talented. Um, then they're going to need some help. They're going to need those teams IU who I think is going to be very good. 
again, and Notre Dame, who should be good again. If both of those teams end up being top 15 teams, that's going to that's gonna really boost Cincinnati's resume if they can run the table the rest of the way. I mean, the way things set up, they have a chance, I think, at least to be in the consideration of whether this, the, the playoff committee, you know, they're not going to give people who are not in the power conferences the benefit of the doubt, but they are somebody to circle and keep an eye on because I think that they are that good. Bruce Feldman is joining us. Bruce, speaking of the power conferences, of course, this summer has seen the return of conference realignment and those conversations. What do you make of how this has all played out with Texas and Oklahoma? It's been a it's been a real shock to I think a lot of people, especially in the Big Twelve. I mean, I talked to ADs in that conference the week that everything blew up with Texas and OU, and they told me they thought that was the most stable the Big Twelve had been in a decade or a dozen years. Well, obviously not, because then your two biggest brand schools, the ones who really draw the big TV dollars, decided they were going to bolt and go. You know, there was a behind-the-scenes brokering between certainly Greg Sankey, um, and there was, from everything I'd heard, also ESPN had been involved in all of this. And, you know, Greg Sankey, basically, when he was in these small uh, working crew meetings with with, uh, three other people, one of them was Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, while they were talking about college football expansion for the past year. While all that was going on across the table, Greg Sankey knew that he was going to be basically gutting Bob Bowlesby's business. I mean, it's a pretty cutthroat approach, but I mean, that subplot is so, is a, is such a, a rich, ripe one and juicy one that I think it's hard for a lot of people who are, you know, the power brokers in the sport now to figure out where does this turn next? Because I think a lot of, a lot of people are reeling from just what a 180 that all was. Bruce Feldman's joining us. Bruce, one more thought about that. Like, there was initially the suggestion that other conferences might try to poach Big 12 programs. Do you see that happening? Or if that doesn't happen, what would happen to the eight remaining Big 12 teams if they aren't added to other conferences? Jim, I think what's, what's it depends on who the other leagues are. You know, if it's a group of five league, those, you know, the Oklahoma States and TCUs, which have a lot of success, and we, we mentioned how good Iowa State is now, um, they would definitely be attractive. If it's the Big Ten, where they have talked a lot over the years about you have to be an AAU member, which is for an academic accreditation and a certain academic criteria, which a lot of which some of those other um, Big 12 leftovers do not meet. Uh, if you're the Pac-12, do you look at it and say, okay, do these other eight programs, which, by the way, they do not have the TV appeal anywhere near that there are the two schools that are leaving this to go to the SEC. Um, geographically, how are they a fit? Because I think that's the challenge for them. I think if you're, if you're the new commissioner, we're talking brand-new commissioner and George Kleopat just really got on the job a few weeks ago um, to replace Larry Scott, I think he's got to see – He's got to look in his own house, which means who has the who has who is the biggest asset you have? Well, by far it's USC. So obviously has the richest tradition, lots of money, big fan base, and also you know huge market. What does USC want? Because I think to know the history, recent history of the Big Twelve, when everything started to blow up, I, I talked to one of the ads in the Big Twelve and made the point. It was like, well, if this is about money. 
and revenue sharing, you know, if they wanted to mean Texas or Oklahoma, if they felt like they deserved a much bigger cut, which obviously they did, you know, that's an easy fix. Well, it never got to that point. I think if you're the Pac-12, you want to know exactly what, especially USC, wants and feels like it's in their best interest and see if you can cater to it because, I'm not saying that all of a sudden the Big Ten is going to is going to bend over backwards to rope them in, but that is you know that would be an attractive TV partner. And so if USC or some of the top of the food chain Pac-12 programs look and go, well, what is Texas Tech or Kansas State uh, or even Oklahoma State? What are really they going to bring us? Because now you're talking about splitting the pie from beyond 12 to 16 or 20 or however many they take. That may not make a lot of sense for them. And honestly, you know, one of the things that George Klyakov, the new commissioner, talked about was a cultural fit. I'm not sure how much they, they see having the same interests and needs as some of these other schools that are now kind of reeling from the exit of Texas and OU. That makes sense to me. Like if the dollars don't add up and they don't bring more eyeballs to it and it's not a good cultural fit, why do it? All right, so quickly, Bruce, this week you released the Freaks List, which is your annual rundown of the biggest freaks in college football. Number one on the list is Alabama left tackle Evan Neal. Honestly, if anybody has seen the video of him doing that split leg box jump last month, you don't need further explanation as to why he's number one. But if folks have not seen this, what is it about him that makes him so special? We'll start with this, Jim. So, so Matt Ray is Nick Saban's right-hand guy. He's the director of sports science there. And he said he is the most impressive lower-body power athlete they've ever seen. Uh, he, at 350 pounds, he hit almost 19 miles per hour in the GPS. For context of that, basically, if he was 100 pounds lighter, if he was, not, if he was 250 instead of 350, we're talking about a 6'7", let's say he was a 6'7", 250-pound tight end, which would be a very big tight end in college football now and if he ran that fast that would be freak worthy the fact that he did it and weighs a hundred pounds more is insane it's it's you know talking to guys who've coached him they just rave about his, you know freakish ability to do the things he does at that size um unlike anyone that that they have seen before when i talked to nick saban about him on sunday morning and said what well, you know, you've been around a lot of elite athletes, and the first words out of his mouth were, Evan is very rare. And then he proceeded to go into detail about what it is that, you know, that they see that makes him such a freak and such a special athlete. And he's really been that guy since day one. Now, he's continued to develop it. When they talk about his commitment and his approach and different things like that, um, he was – he is different, and that's why he'll be the first offensive lineman picked in next year's draft. Bruce Feldman joins me for a few more moments. All right, so what about Bruce, Michigan defensive end, Aiden Hutchinson, number two on the list? Is he also considered rare, and what sets him apart from other D linemen? Yeah, he is a guy that they've had a couple of freak D linemen in the last couple of years, Rashawn Gary, Quiddy Pay. I mean, this guy is over 6'6". Six, six. He's like he's almost 6'6 six, six and a quarter. And the shuttle times are the times you would expect from a cornerback. Um, just crazy numbers. They said he will bench press 225 in the 30s. He will vertical jump, uh, you know, 36 inches, maybe more than that. He ran a 4'6", 440. I mean, just crazy numbers at that height, that length. And 
I would expect from everything I've heard from both NFL scouts who I've talked to this offseason as well as coaches in the Michigan program, they feel like Aiden Hutchinson is primed to have a huge year for them. And he's just different than a lot of, you know, when people think of some of the, some of the tremendous defensive linemen who've come out of the Big Ten in recent years, they obviously know the Boses uh, and Chase Young from, from Ohio State. More like Chase Young and then the Boses in that the Boses are 6'3". This guy is over 6'6", six, six, has some of the same length of Chase Young. The numbers are more even, the, the workout numbers are even more impressive than those guys. It's not necessarily saying he's going to be a better football player, but people who are there think he is in that discussion. And look, Jim Harbaugh is going to need him. They have a new defensive system. Uh, the defense coordinator, Mike McDonald, comes from the Ravens, where they've had a lot of success with, with similarly framed like edge rushers. This is a big chess piece for them, and I would expect him to have a huge 2021. All right, so, Bruce, really quickly, you've got over 100 guys on the list this year. Quickly, what about Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton? He's number three. How special is he? Yes, 6'4", 220, Jim, 42-inch vertical jump, crazy athleticism, also super intelligent. Uh, the knock for years, and this is kind of pre-age Brian Kelly, was that Notre Dame didn't quite have the athletes. Maybe they had really, you know, the linemen to match up, didn't have the athletes in space. Kyle Hamilton would be a star in the SEC, in the, in, you know, at Clemson, wherever it is. Um, just a really, really gifted, explosive athlete who looks like he's almost, a, you know, looks like a big linebacker but moves all over the field. Just unique player. It is an awesome feature. I look forward to it every single year. He is a reporter for Fox Sports, a National College Football Insider for The Athletic, and the man behind the annual freaks list for The Athletic itself. Bruce, it is great to have you back, man. I always look forward to that conversation, and you always deliver. Great talking to you, Bruce. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Jim. Thank you for having me. You got it, Bruce Feldman. It's a great list. And as I mentioned, it was over 100 this year. I think last year was like 50, 101 freaks. So you want to make sure you check that out. All right, setting up hour number two. Let me tell you exactly how that's going to go. It's going to go like this. We do not have an interview until the top of the third hour unless Austin Eckler gets out of practice early and then he will be ready to go. If you were wanting to see Aaron Rodgers in the Packers offseason and to see what kind of chemistry that he and they would have, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer because they're not rushing him out there. In fact, he's not going to be out there at all. The Packers announced yesterday Aaron is not going to play in the exhibition season. Matt LaFleur said that Rodgers will, quote, most likely not, end quote, play at all in the exhibition games. And I got to tell you something. I mean, some of you don't seem to understand this. This makes sense. That makes complete and total sense. If you're seeing that as a sign that things are not good between the Rodgers and Packers, the two of them, that's not a data point for that. That's not what that is. That doesn't mean that, oh, I guess they're not getting on the same page. Oh, there must still be problems. He's not playing. That's not that. One thing has nothing to do with the other. He hasn't played in an exhibition game since 2018. He doesn't need the reps. He doesn't need practice. He's Aaron Rodgers, reigning MVP, future first ballot Hall of Famer. He could nap it out the entire offseason and show up on September 12th in New Orleans and be just fine. So let's be clear about 
what this is about and what it's not about. This is not about Aaron and the Packers, at least not directly. Because while this is not a sign that things are good or bad between Aaron and the Packers, it does mean that Jordan Love is going to be the starter in the exhibition games. And then suddenly those games become a lot more critical and a lot more interesting because there is going to be, and make no mistake about this, there is going to be a ton of pressure on Love because he has to show up and look like a guy who is good enough to make the front offices bet on him worth it, okay? This is a guy who has not thrown a pass in a game since the Senior Bowl in 2020. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm definitely not saying that. But I'm saying that's the guy that the Packers front office is staking themselves to. So again, let's be clear. It's not just Jordan Love who's going to be on display in these exhibition games. It will be the Packers' decision makers. Goots, Mark Murphy, they may as well be lining up under center because their reputations are on the line in this exhibition season just as much as Jordan Love's. They need Love to show up and deliver in a certain way. In fact, in the worst way possible, they need Love to have a great exhibition season. They need it even more than Jordan Love needs Jordan Love to have a great exhibition season. What I'm saying to you is, this guy cannot come out slowly. He can't make a bunch of mistakes. That you just chalk up to being young and inexperienced. Because the benefit of the doubt is gone. Because Aaron himself almost assuredly will be gone after the coming season. So this is not a situation where it's like, say, Zach Wilson with the Jets, where a bad practice is not a big deal, that they can give this guy the time and the space that he needs to develop. If Love shows up on Saturday against Houston and he's missing wide-ass open players, missing targets, chucking picks, coughing up the football, it's going to be a bad, bad look. And as bad as it will look for him, it will look even worse for the Packers' front office. This guy has to deliver from the jump. He has to deliver from the word go. Because unlike Wilson, Love is already in his second year. Unlike Wilson, Love is being used to justify pushing Aaron Rodgers out the door. So Love doesn't just have to prove that he can be an effective NFL starter. He has to prove that he can be an NFL star. He has to prove that he's worth this entire mess that the Packers have created with the reigning league MVP. Like normally I would always say, you can't read too much into an exhibition game. It's a glorified scrimmage. And you should read even less into an actual scrimmage or a practice. And this is why I'm not freaking out, for instance, about Zach Wilson not exactly being Joe Namath in his first outing. But that's because one, yeah, one, he's a rookie, two, because the Jets' depth chart is Zach Wilson, Mike White, James Morgan, Morgan White, Mike James. I mean, actually, it's not, but because I made up the last two guys, but you wouldn't even know the difference. But that's the point, right? It doesn't matter who else is in the Jets quarterback room. There are two anonymous guys who are not going to push this guy for reps. They're warm bodies. That's Zach Wilson's job. He's going to get time to grow into that job. Everybody knows it. The Packers situation is totally different. They traded up. 
They drafted Jordan Love in the first round, and they did that knowing what it would mean to Aaron Rodgers and their future with him. They did it knowing that they were putting Rodgers on the clock. And then when Rodgers won the MVP last season, they didn't change that clock to accommodate him. They stuck with the plan, which means they're sticking with their guy, Jordan Love. So the Packers depth chart is Aaron Rodgers, followed by Jordan Love, and the team has given you every indication that in a matter of months, they want it to be Jordan Love, followed by somebody else, and Aaron will be out the door. The Packers are saying that this is going to be Jordan Love's job really soon, and they're willing to put Rodgers to the side to make that happen. So, if you're going to jam the reigning league MVP... One of the greatest players in the history of your franchise so you can get to the next guy. The next guy better be the second coming of Aaron Rodgers. This guy can't come out and look like a guy who has not thrown a pass in an organized game in more than a year and a half. He has to come out and look like a damn near finished product. He's got to make everybody say, yeah, you know what? Now I get it. Now I see why the Packers are doing what they're doing. Now I see what the Packers are saying. This guy is worth jamming the MVP for. And if he doesn't, the Packers decision makers are going to look even worse. What I'm saying is, this guy doesn't have to be perfect per se, but he better come out and he better look like a future star. He better look like a stud. That's just how it is. I hate to say it, and I hate to put that kind of pressure on love. A guy who did not ask to be in this situation, but that's where the bar is. He didn't put himself in that position. The team did. And now this guy has to deliver. Has to. Exhibition games generally don't mean jack. They don't matter. These do. A lot. And especially to love, and even more so to the front office that is betting on him and running the other guy out the door. But no, back to my original point, the fact that Aaron Rodgers is not going to play in the preseason is not indicative of, you see, you see, they're, they're still not on the same page. He, he doesn't play in the preseason. He doesn't need to play in the preseason. He's fine. He doesn't need the preseason, but love sure as hell does. And Goots needs it more than love. So let's see, Packer fan. Let's see how that plays out. 1-800-636-8686. I'm looking for a Packer fan because there was no shortage of Packer fans when I was in Wisconsin for the last two weeks. Let's see, Mike D for three. Quote, there is a lot of pressure on love. But as we all know, love isn't always on time. Thanks, Toto. Got old man Rip playing his air guitar in the back row. Austin Eckler is my guest. Austin, great to have you back. How are you? Jim, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me on. I like that intro. I like it I too, man. Excited. You, <laughs> dude, you, you have a really good resume, and you've come a long, long way and have done a lot of things, which I want to get into. It's kind of hard to imagine, Austin, that this is your fifth training camp. How has the experience changed over the years for you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's gone so fast now, you know, from me being in a spot where, you know, I'm kind of one of these rookies out here trying to find my way to now I'm trying to help, you know, my rookies find their way and help this team get in the right spot so we're ready to play a game. Um, you know, I just see my role changing as far as now, you know, the guys are looking to me for, for advice, you know, and just leadership as far as the running back room. 
Um, and I see myself just becoming more of a leader on the team as well, just helping, you know, drive this, like I said, this team in the right direction, especially young guys, especially undrafted guys during training camp that are trying to get on the roster. You know, it's so interesting because, like, knowing you and your background, and you and I have talked about this, you've always had that kind of force of nature. You can impose your will. You had that grind. You had that work ethic. You had that plan. You're always working that plan. But if we were to go back to when you were in college, and I told you that you would be that guy entering your fifth season in the NFL as a feature back and the guy that all the other young players were coming to to learn from and have you take them under your wing, what would you have said back then? I would have said that sounds nice. Okay. <laughs> that sounds nice, right? Back in college, shoot, I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking about the NFL during that time until about the end of my junior year uh, when I had one season left. You know, I was just kind of just taking it year by year, moment by moment, trying to take advantage of what was presented in front of me. And, you know, it's the same mentality of, I've had throughout my NFL career, too, which has gotten me to this point. And, you know, people ask me, how far are you going to take it? I, re- I really don't know. I'm just giving everything I, ha- I have like I have to make this team, like I did to make this team and just continuing to, to build off of you know my role that I have right now. Chargers running back Austin Eckler joining us. You mentioned love of the game. As an example, I had Gerald McCoy on the show yesterday, Austin, and he missed all of last season with an injury. And he said that now that he's back, he's found that he loves the game even more than he did then. And he didn't think that was possible. You missed some time last year. In fact, you missed six games. Like, what was that like for you, that experience? And did you come back with even a greater appreciation and perspective and love for the game once you had it taken away from you for a bit? Oh yeah, I missed it immediately. <laughs> immediately, you know, I was I was super optimistic about oh like hey I'm gonna be back in a month, guys, don't worry. Just really ready. Hey, I need to get I'm gonna do everything I can. And then you know my injury decided you know what my timeout was gonna be, and it was gonna be two months. And so sure enough, yeah, I ended up missing six games. But just watching my team, especially what we were going through during the time, I were losing all these close games. And I remember we were playing the Broncos, and we were up 21 points, and we started losing the game. I just I don't know. I was just at home because I couldn't even be at the game, and I was just working out, just vigorously doing curls in my in my freaking uh, living room because I was so mad. I just wanted to be back there. And so, yeah, once you're away from the game, you don't realize how much you know time you put. Well, you know how much time you put into it. And so, once it's taken away, it's like almost a void in in your lifestyle. You're like like I'm missing a part of myself. Um, and I think you know when any injury happens, especially in athletes, that's how we feel. Hey, chill. <laughs> Sorry people yelling at me out of practice uh when any when any of our time's taken away especially when we're putting all of our dedication to this you know it takes it takes a lot out of us right and it's something that we have to come back from and especially injuries now you're not as in good a shape as you were when you come back and so that's something you also have to work through so it's definitely frustrating um and that's why you know going talking with uh coach staley he's doing his most to take care of us which i we really appreciate as players out here as far as controlling our volume making sure we're still getting the reps and the work that we need to get in, but really putting our health first. Austin Eckler is joining us. You know, it's really interesting what you just said, that it was part of your identity. Like, if this is what you're known for and this is what you love and this is what you do, and all of a sudden you're not that guy for even a short period of time, it's kind of tough because that's part of your identity. But what's really interesting is you've been really active in business away from the game. Now, you're all in on the game, without question. But as you've pointed out in the past, guys used to be laughed at if they wanted to have a music career or a side project while they were still playing. Now you balance football with business opportunities and you work in the community. What's that process like for you, and why is it important to do those things too? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's you know one of the most you know important things that NFL players can do. Right? We have a we have a big platform. Absolutely, we're here to play football. That should be the number one priority during football season. But then it comes to off-season, right, where we have months off. And it's like, okay, what are we doing in this off-season? Well, guess what? You have a community that still is a fan of you or your team. 
so you can get into that community and, you know, use those opportunities to meet people and things that you're passionate about. You know, I talk about passions all the time with, you know, young guys and just myself and my team. So I've created a team to, you know, to pursue things that I'm passionate about off season. Uh, and that's really connecting the community uh, with myself and this together and helping the, my community members find their passions by using like my Austin Eckler Foundation. We built like a high school gym for Santa Barbara uh, High School. And, you know, that represents, you know, a lot of people go use that, you know, learn a lot of skills that they can use in life. Um, and so that's what it's about. It's about what do you want to do during the off season? Okay, and now try to get out in the community and connect. Um, you know, I'm very active in the off season as far as just trying to make, make connections because in my eyes, uh, you know, connecting and people are more valuable than, than money even, right? Because I think the connections will take you a lot further than you can buy your way into things. Um, and so I try to, you know, tell these guys, like, look, we have a, a very small opportunity where people are very interested in us, whether it's because we're a good player, whether it's because of our team. And so it's our job to take advantage of that during the off season. All right, so what you just said also is interesting in that you funded a new weight room in Santa Barbara High School because I went to UC Santa Barbara, because I got my start in Santa Barbara. That's really fascinating to me, Austin. What is your connection to that town and that school? Yeah, so uh, through the Austin Eckler Foundation, the, the, I'll just give the, the mission of it. It's to implement resources in the communities that people can use to better themselves. So, like I said, for the weight room, it's you know to... to learn hard work, learn social skills, learn mental toughness, obviously to work out as well. And I had a connection, you know, through one of my cousins. They're like, hey, Santa Barbara High School, you know, they, they're in a nice neighborhood, but they, you know, their funding is really low, and basically everything they get there is from donations. And they're really, you know, needing the upgrade of their gym. And so through my cousin and then the Hutton Parker Foundation, which is another foundation that works with Santa Barbara High School, uh, we connected with them and decided to do a project in the school. There you go. Austin Eckler joining us really quickly. So when you look at the offense, Austin, Joe Lombardi's taking over as coordinator, offense coordinator after some time in New Orleans. How much have you seen, for instance, of what Alvin Kamara did in that system? And then how do you expect to be used? Yeah, you know, uh, I think, you know, what Joe does best um, here and that I'm seeing is hey, he's going to give our playmakers a chance to win in space one-on-one or give you a chance to, you know, just win in what you're good at. Um, and I think that's what all good offensive coordinators should do, right? You use your, your best players to their, your advantage. Um, and I think I see him doing that. And, you know, with Kamara, uh, you know, we're definitely different backs, so we're going to be used in, in different ways. But I think it's still, you know, the same idea. It's like, okay, how can we get Austin the ball where he's going to be in his strength, where he's in speed or he's getting some type of swing route, uh, or he's just getting the ball in space. Um, and so it's similar to Kamara in different ways, but as far as, like, breaking it down details, we're definitely different types of runners. Um, but, yeah, definitely uh, I see the emphasis. I also we're trying to get you the ball. We need you to win on these routes. And so I'm definitely loving that. All right, so one last thought. What about the guy getting you the ball from the outside? I could not have been more impressed by what I saw from Justin Herbert as a rookie. What did you make of that, his rookie year, and what do you make of him as a teammate, and how does he look so far this year? Yeah, um, you know, just from going from Phillip, um, you know, it's kind of spoiled. There's just a guy that knew the game like the back of his hand. Uh, now we're going to, you know, Justin Herbert. You know, it was kind of like, all right, well, you know, let's see what this kid's got. You know, a young guy coming in, and then he comes in. You know, he's he's showing that he has all his potential, you know, in training camp, and then actually gets an opportunity in the game. And it's like, wow, okay, this guy actually maybe has might have something here. You know, he's making plays with his feet. He's running and throwing it on the run. Uh, he's just running the ball. He's making good decisions. And, you know, I think we saw him progress, too, and even get better as time went on, which was to be expected and just because of his mentality. He, you know, he kind of reminds me of Philip as far as, like, media. He doesn't really do media. He's just really about hanging out and playing football. 
you know, wants to be hanging out with the guys. He wants to do his best. He really cares. Like, you see it at practice. You know, if he makes a bad throw, you see his emotion, like how bad he really wanted to, you know, make that throw or have that one back. And I think that's what we need to see from a guy that's, you know, at our head of our offense. You know, I want to see the guy that's really takes it personal if he messes up, right? Because he's like, hey, I want this to be the best. We've got his back. If he messes up, you know, we'll, we'll pick him up. But uh, I'd love to see that competition in him. And listen, one last thought. You mentioned Philip. You tell a really funny story that when you first broke in, you were playing Jacksonville one day, and then Philip starts to scramble. So you're looking to block for him downfield. Afterwards, he's yelling at you. What was he telling you? <laughs> right, right. So this is before, this is, yeah, like, this is a few games in, right? And I didn't know, you know, as far as Phillips play style that much. Like, it, as far as he couldn't move that well, I didn't really understand that. Like, right. I was like, hey, yeah, he can probably run because I'd never seen him fully run, I guess, in camp. Uh, and it was my rookie year, too, so I was mainly doing special teams. Um, but finally, I get a chance to get in the game. Yeah, and like you said, he starts scrambling. And he's running my way, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to block. He's probably going to run it upfield. You know, it's like something I would expect, like, in college. And then he just throws it at the at my feet and he just starts yelling like Eckler, I'm not gonna run the ball. Get open. I'm like, Oh yeah, you yeah, you're probably right. Like I should have put that together and then from then on I'm like, All right. That's when the check down started happening. Like, hey, give me the ball. <laughs> that is so good. Like, hey, man, I'm doing my job. I'm blocking for my quarterback. He's like, dude, do you know right. who I am? You know I don't run, right? You know I've never run and I never will, man. <laughs> Right, I learned that way. I that learned that really one that way. Funny. It's all good, though. I love that story. Preseason opener of Chargers at the Rams on Saturday. Obviously, Austin Eckler already locked in. Austin, great to have you back on the program. You always sound great and always good to get caught up, man. Thanks so much. Hey, Jim, I appreciate you as well, man. Thank you. You know what keeps coming up? This chocula stuff. Hey, Tommy, what you doing, man? How you feeling? Why don't you grab a pair of headphones so I can engage you on the air? Probably not fair that I didn't set that up with you, but that's how it is. How you living, dude? I'm doing great. What's up, Jim? All right, so kind of bring me up to date here. You are the EP. Now, this is a show with a long and storied history, and only if I had to count, let me think. One, two, three, four. I think you're only the fifth EP in the history of the program. Now, you have a great educational background, you have a great resume, and you've been in the field, but there's still nothing to get ready or get a person prepared for this, no. much less clone nation. No. So really quickly, what's it been like? It's been a lot, but it's been wonderful. Um, and I had a good idea of kind of what it was going in just because I've been working at CBS Sports Radio since it launched. So I've been listening to the show for a long time. I've been watching the show for a long time. I've been, frankly, studying the show for a long time. And still, uh, it's overwhelming, but in a great way. And the clones are amazing, but yes, they're very much onto this whole Chocula thing. All right, so before you got here, and I, I appreciate that response that you're saying like, hey, look, man, the thing actually is overwhelming, but it's amazing, and I love it, and I'm finding my way, and I want to give you a lot of credit. This, this is a really hard spot to slide into, and you've done it as well as anybody has. Thank you. That said, the but. Had you ever at any point in your life been referred to as Count Chocula prior to showing up here? No, I've never been called a vampire um, I mean, I know like my hairline is not what it used to be. So I got this little widow's peak thing going that I think that's what people are fixated on. And I came out here pretty pale from being stranded in New York for too long. But I think I fixed that, too. So I, I got to work on keeping the tan. We know how it goes. I mean, first of all, you can't none of us can do anything about our hair per se. But Chocula is still better than Eddie Munster. So let's just focus on the positive, right? Uh, but Alvy likes that. So the Eddie Munster theme keeps. Yeah. 
I got to be honest, so do I. The, yeah. the monster music, it will never be anything other than incredible. That will never get old. That might be the best song ever. Like, <laughs> Craig Kitchen hit me with something. He said, Odyssey is doing a certain thing where they need talent to come up with their 75 favorite songs of all time. And I thought to myself, you know, that's kind of daunting. 75. How do I pick 75 of my favorite songs? I don't know what the 75 are, but I know what my favorite song is of all time. It's not Bob O'Reilly. It's not Left of the Dial by The Replacements. My favorite single song ever is this song. So, my man, the reason I say that, that's never going away. Yeah, but that's a silver lining. At least it makes you happy. Dude, you get it. What a great response. Happy host, happy life. That does make me happy. That's exactly right. Question is, are you happy? Oh, yes. This is amazing. Oh, man. All right. So anything else you want to share? Anything else that you want to tell the clones? Um, That's basically it. I mean, thank you guys, I guess, for not coming too hard at me yet, but I don't want to egg you on. So, And you've been all right on the phones. You could be a little bit better on the phones. Also, don't want to egg you on. But go ahead. Give me a call. I'm here. I'm waiting for you. There you go. All right. Nice job. There is your new EP. Now, if you're looking for like this crazy, over-the-top character who's going to give you content like, no names mentioned, Rit. Tommy's not that. Tommy D is, as I mentioned, Ivy League educated, New York through and through, came up in the system with the family. He's going to play it straight. He's got a good sense of humor, loves being here. But if you're looking for that kooky character, no names mentioned, Rit, you're not going to get that kind of content. And Rit, don't you ever change. And by the way, I know you won't. I've tried to change you, and I know you won't. But I want to make sure that you get that. And, and this guy's not faking it. I'm talking about Chocula. He's not faking it. He's not fronting it. He's not trying to be something that he's not. He's just doing the job. Just doing the job and doing a really good job. So I want to bring that up. Um, the Monster song, not only in my top ten, not only in my top five. If Stairway to Heaven and Baba O'Reilly are in my top three... They're all looking up at this dude. Now, I'm telling you, man, if I road trip, I'm bumping that tune. If I'm working out, I'm bumping that tune. If I'm enjoying lake life with the portable speaker on the dock, I'm bumping that tune. So, Chocula, unfortunately, that's not going away. But what a great response he just had. He goes, what, does it make you happy? I said, it makes me very happy. So, well, good. Good. You know, happy wife, happy life, happy host, happy life. So, music's funny like that, right? You can just hear a song in the middle of a day, and all of a sudden, if you're having a bad day or a crappy day, or you need a reset, or you need to flip your mindset, music can do that. So if I'm ever just kind of just, you know, gripping it or fighting it, and I can't quite get in the zone that I'm looking for, I just bumped that song. And then all of a sudden, my day's so much better. Eddie M. Man, nobody better. 1-800-636-8686. That is your XR4TI. From my left to my right, Alvy, Chocula. It's red! It's lit! And that's what I'm looking at on the other side of the glass. We are out to Austin Eckler, not Wes Weckler. Austin Eckler, we will have him sometime between now and the top of the hour. If all goes well, UCLA head football coach Chip Kelly is joining us. 
In fact, it's a big UCLA week. As I mentioned, I had Mick Cronin yesterday, Chip Kelly today, and on my crossover side hustle to the side hustle, which is on my Instagram feed, another UCLA contact. So the Bruin fam coming up big. Let's get some reaction really quickly before I go to break. Jamie in Green Bay. Wait, isn't the EP supposed to say something embarrassing or regrettable when they talk to you on the air? What is this crap? No, that's, that's not how the EPs get the jobs. Every EP that I've had, executive producer, has been totally different with totally different backgrounds, and that's not part of the job description. Like, when Chocula and I sat down, and I looked at his resume, and I looked at his background, I did not say, hey, listen, are you, do you have this gear where if I engage you on the air, you can say something really regrettable and really embarrassing, and can you do that consistently? That was not a part of the interview process. That's just something that kind of is organic. You find out as you go. I'm pretty certain that that's not how it's going to go with this guy. And if your response is, well, great, Rome, what the hell do we do with that? You go to the back row and you find Rit. Because Rit likes that. And the great thing about both these guys, they're both exactly what they are. They're both exactly who they are. Well, Chocula, he's never going to give you that fodder, man. He just won't. Rit will always give it to you. And with Rit, it's not manufactured. It's not contrived. My favorite thing about that old man in the back row, that is who that guy is. I respect that. At the real left hook, quote, Ivy League educated, and he ended up on radio? Nice use of your parents' money, Chocula. All right, bro, let's talk about that real quickly. All right, so I want you to react to that. You have a chance. So you are Ivy League educated. Is that correct? It is correct, yes. Okay, and your parents, did they put you through that Ivy League education? They did. Okay, what is, what is their reaction to them spending all that money and you, quote, ending up in radio? Extreme pride. Okay. I'm doing all right, by the way. Yeah, you are doing all right, dude. You're doing better than all, all right. right. James in Sacramento, man, keep chocula out your mouth. Listen, man, there is, like, his predecessor, Adam Hawk. Like, barely graduated elementary school. And Hawk was a great EP and a great character. It's just, you never know, right? I've always said, on the one hand, it does not matter where you went to school. In fact, I'd even say it doesn't matter if you go to school. Now, I'm not saying that that's what I'm telling my kids. College is not for everybody. There have been people who went to the very best colleges that have crazy IQs, they're extreme failures in life. And then there are others that it's just not for them. And they're just killing the game. It doesn't matter per se, but I am interested in where my guys went to school. I've said that before. But I'm not saying that I won't hire you unless you have a certain level of education. He's an Ivy Leaguer. Hey, Rick, where'd you go to school? Charlotte. Like, like I'm so caught up in, in everything writ that I didn't even know the answer to that. That's incredible. He's trying to call it the Harvard of the South. Right, bro. The Harvard of the South. And what does that make you? Don't answer the question, Rit. The Harvard of the show. That's good, Rit. It's not funny. It's not amusing. It's not true. Dude, you're the Yule Brenner of the show. 
You're the Telly Savalas of the show. Hey, Rit, remember that time you killed Tom Hanks? Rit said, I can't wait to do it again next October. Rit, I'm shocked that you didn't just bust through when you saw Tom Hanks' kid get loose the way he did on social yesterday talking about COVID. My man, there ain't going to be a next time. All right, you had your shot. See what else we got here. Romy, love needs to show up. Ask yourself this question. What is love? What is love? Regards, Hathaway. Geoff and Lincoln. It seems like it's one of those days, huh? Jukebox Wednesday. Out of nowhere. An impromptu Jukebox Wednesday just showed up. At Hitman Canadian tweets. Shot through the heart. And the floor is to blame. He gives love a bad name. I'd say that that's a good radio, but it's not. But it kind of made me laugh. Shot through the heart, and the floor is to blame. He gives love a bad name. I'm not sure that the floor is to blame. I'm not sure he is to blame. I'm going to put that more on the front office than the head coach. Now, Trevor Price is going to put that on the head coach. He's still trying to do that. At the Miano Pan tweets, Rogers. A jukebox, impromptu jukebox Wednesday broke out. Rodgers is not going to play the preseason. That stinks. You know what else? Love stinks. Signed Jake Giles. Wow, a Jake Giles throwback. Jake Giles band. Never really got that outfit either. They're not going to make my top 75. I've been thinking about the top 75, and you already know that Edward Munster is on top. Jay Gow's band is not going to be in the top 75. Huey Lewis is not going to be in the top 75. At NJ, Nickelback is not going to be in the top 75. At NJ Alberts, we love Rogers. What's love got to do with it? Hashtag Tina Turner. There's none left, right? It's all out of your system. Or go ahead. Go ahead. Keep trying to turn this into songs. How about this? All right, now, I'll go on record. In fact, I, was, I hadn't really thought about this. I love me some Pat Benatar. I got to find a way to get her in the top 75. And how do I do that? We're talking about Jordan Love. Dang, love is a battlefield. Love is a Chip Kelly is my guest. Chip, it's been a minute or two since you and I have spoken. How are you doing, and what is the vibe like around the team and the program right now, Chip? <laughs> I'm doing great. I think the last time I saw you was at Media Day about two years ago, pre-COVID. So it's been a while. It has been a while. And uh, it's great to have you back, Chip. So let me bring me up to date really quickly. You've been building this thing since you arrived on campus. How would you describe, Chip, where the program is now compared to when you first arrived? Yeah, we're in really good shape. I, I think our depth is, you know, is really the most challenging thing. And, and we're back um, to normal numbers. You know, we were under 60. Uh, terms of scholarship players in our first year and we've built ever since and now we're at the <clears throat> NCAA maximum um part of that gym is COVID you know giving a lot of kids an extra year of eligibility so there's a lot of teams like us throughout the country that that have some depth and have some kids that have played a lot of football and 
you know, we'll have an opportunity to come back out and uh, do it again this fall. We're talking to Chip Kelly, you know, Chip, not just the scholarships, but you go back a couple of years. I mean, it's amazing how young this team was. You had 87 freshmen and sophomores, which is an unbelievable amount of youth. For those who don't remember, what were those days like for you and your staff? Yeah, it was fun, honestly. You know, it was helping develop some young kids. We kind of basically threw them into the deep end of the pool. Um, nobody drowned. Um, now, not all of them swam the way we wanted them to swim, but, um, you know, they made it through. And, you know, as you said, those 87 freshmen and sophomores are now 87 juniors and seniors now. So um, we're excited about our depth, you know, at all positions. Um, and, and, again, I think in this sport you have to have depth because you're going to get tested week in and week out. Um, we play a really good out-of-conference schedule, and then we play a really good conference schedule. So um, you're going to have to have depth in, to, to compete in the Power Five, and um, we feel like we have some depth now. All right, so speaking of that schedule, I was going to jump ahead to that, but you've got Hawaii to start the season, and then a week later you're going to host LSU. Now that's the kind of game that's going to get a lot of attention. I know, Chip, you're only looking at what's right in front of you, but how important is it to get off to a good start and make a big statement right out of the gate this year? It's always important to, to make that start and, and give yourself an opportunity to, um, you know, let people know what you have. Um, and it starts with Hawaii. Ty Graham is, is there and did a really good job in, in his first year there. And um, they play around. They, they play really fast. And, um, and it's an aggressive group. Um, so we're excited to get those guys. And it'll be a really, really good test for us. So, you know, our focus right now, we're in the middle of camp. We just got through day 12 of practice um and we're really focusing on ourselves right now but in, in about a week and a half here we'll start to really hone in on our hawaii game plan uh, and start to dial it up to the rainbow warriors i was gonna say chip chip kelly joining us you're 17 days out until that game against hawaii i'm kind of curious like what's your reaction when you hear that 17 days out like are you itching to kick off right now or are you looking for as much time as possible to keep preparing <clears throat> well you're excited obviously you know a year ago at this time we didn't know if we were going to play football at all you know, and, and, and when we were in August, it got canceled, you know, and then sometime in the middle of September, they came out with, we're going to try to play. And on, on last year, you know, our season opened up on November 6th. So the fact that we're going to play a game in August is exciting for us. Um, but we're going to use every single one of those 17 days left for us to prepare for it. So um, we still got some work to do. We still got some install things to do in all three phases of the game. Um, but we are actually excited to play football again in, in uh and in front of fans, you know, because that was the big thing that was missing last year for everybody throughout the country, you know, to to be able to play in front of the, in front of your home fans, play in front of your family, um, and let everybody enjoy it. You bet. Chip Kelly joining us. Chip, let me ask you about your quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He improved his completion percentage again. He decreased his turnovers. How much has he grown as a quarterback since he first arrived on campus? Yeah, Dorian's been awesome since he got here. He's grown every every year. Um, he very rarely makes the same mistake twice. Um, he's a really, really good learner. Um, but it was just a, mat, a, mat, a matter of getting him the experience. And, and he obviously, he played in our opening game three years ago because of an injury. Um, our starting quarterback, Wilton Spate, went down in the second quarter, and Dorian was number two, and he came off the bench and played um, and was not here for the spring before that. So it was really just uh, three weeks of preseason camp, and then he's playing in a college football game against a really good Cincinnati team. So, you know, from that day to this day, it's just it's been fun watching him grow. Um, you know, his, his probably one of his best qualities is, is he's a 
he's a voracious learner. He just wants to continue to get better every day. Um, and we've seen it. I see him grow in, in all phases of his game, and I'm excited to see him play this year. Chip, what about the other side of the ball? You're going to bring back a lot of talent on defense as well. How good can that unit be? What's that upside look like to you? Yeah, you know, again, that's uh, we started to really start playing some really good defense last year. Um, you know, and I think our players really grasped what we were trying to um, do. We got some really smart kids on the defensive side of the ball so we can pre- present multiple looks. Um, you know, I think we led the league in tackles for loss, led the league in sacks. Um, and we just have to build upon that because we really have lost just two kids off of last year's team. Um, Osa Digazui was drafted by the um, Dallas Cowboys in the third, and then Demetrius Felton was drafted by Cleveland. Um, but besides that, the rest of them are coming back. So, all of that, we have a lot of production coming back, and we're excited to see um, how this team builds upon how they finished off last year. Yeah, I would imagine, Chip, that in terms of that, there's been a lot of talk about how the Pac-12 South is wide open this year and that this team might be poised to win it. Does it feel like you're close to breaking through, and are those expectations something that you talk about inside the program? No, honestly, what we talk about is, is being good on a daily basis. And, and for us, it's about the process. Um, you know, we've always believed that, that the, this, this game isn't about what you get. It's about what you become because it's such a great teacher. Um, and I think our team has become really close, you know, through COVID. Um, we've been the only people on campus for a long time here. So I think there's a really deep connection on this football team. Um, but we're, we're really concerned with the, the micro deal, which is a daily basis. Are, are we really going to have a good Wednesday? And, and if we can continue to stack good days on top of good days, then by the time we get to Saturday, um, we feel like we got a really good shot. But we're not looking down the road long term, whether not even game one right now. You know, we're really looking to, you know, finishing off a really good preseason camp um, and then getting into game week. So we, we haven't talked about any expectations. Um, our expectations and our standards are, are to practice and, and perform like champions both on and off the field. And, and uh, that's what these guys have been doing for a while now. So, you know, we're excited to, to see another team, you know, on the 28th of August. But we got a little bit of work before we get there. All right, so let me finally ask you, and I appreciate what you're saying about the micro, that if you can stack enough positive days or winning days together, that's all going to add up and you'll be ready on Saturday. But, yeah, and you hear that from coaches. Something else you hear, though, Chip, is that – Coaches like when a team is player-led instead of just exclusively coach-led. Is that the yeah. way this team feels to you, and why is it so important to have a player-led team? Um, yeah, that's a great point, Jim. It, and, and I really think this team is player-led, not coach-fed. Um, we've got a lot of kids that have been around here for a while. They understand what the process is all about, and, and they embrace the process. And then we talk to them about, you know, if you, if you love the process, the process will love you back. But um, – you know, our job is, as teachers is to transport knowledge, um, and, and I think our players have to be receptive to that, and, and they are. You know, so when we're not around, and we're, we're not around these guys 24-7, nor should we be, um, but when we have them for two hours in the morning uh, for our training sessions, um, they're fantastic. But what do they do in the other 20 hours of the day? You know, and I think that's where the, the player-led aspect comes in. Um, you know, when you look at guys that were – the best at everything, you know, like a Kobe Bryant, you know, Kobe had a great statement that, you know, if if you're in the quest for a championship, then you need to edit your life. Um, And I think this group by the, by example, the the older kids and the leaders of this team have have done that. Um, They've prioritized what it takes to be a really successful student athlete here. Um, 
and they'll continue to do that. But when when the players can model what what we're looking for on a daily basis, not while they're not while they're at the football building, but where, while they're everywhere on campus, um, it makes our jobs a lot easier. I was going to say really quickly, Chip, like if you have them four hours a day and it's up to them to maintain and manage the other 20 hours a day, what do you want them doing in the other 20 hours of the day? Just being good people, being respectful to others, you know, caring about the people around you, understanding that you can use football as a platform to help make this country and this world a little bit better place, you know, and, and the best way to do that is, you know, how you live your life, you know, are, are you doing the, the right things? You know, we, we have young men on this team and they're, you know, they're between 18 and 22 years old. They know the difference between right and wrong. And, and our kids, you know, I think are a shining example of that. And that's what I'm really proud to coach this group because it's a special group that really gets it. And, and they want to help. They want to be active members of the community and, and they want to use the platform that this school provides for them um, to show people that you can do it the right way. I like that. The season begins on August 28th. UCLA going to open up against Hawaii. He is the head football coach there, entering his fourth season with the Bruins. And once again, a five-time National Coach of the Year recipient. Chip, great to have you back. Appreciate the conversation. Right, it's been a hey, moment or so. We'd love to get you up to the Rose Bowl for one of those games, in the, uh, either the opener or the next one. Love to have it. Let's do it. Let's do it, Chip. All right, Romy. Good night now.